Now live at 6 o'clock, KWVA Sports is broadcasting from the campus of the University of Oregon. That's the show. It's Quack Smack. I like talking talking sports. Quack Smack! What? Quack Smack. Every Monday through Thursday at 6 p.m., the KWVA staff dissects all things Oregon athletics. <laughs> I'm, I'm experiencing life right now. I'm not sure how much more can be said. Quack, quack. Now I'm on the show, and I don't know how long I'm going to be here. It's time for your nightly dose of <laughs> Quack Smack. Now let's head into the KWVA Sports Studios for the show. After a month without hosting, now it's it's back-to-back nights for me inside the KWVA Studios, and that means... I mean, I'm back, right? Like this, is, we're, we're all the way back. We're so up. Uh, welcome back inside the KWVA studios. My name is Austin O'Reilly. I'll be your host tonight. No Knight Yuretsky. No Ryan Milano. Forgot his name for a second, but but no Ryan Milano as well. Uh, Easy to forget. Right. Austin Oda, Aiden Hess, Levi Birdfield. While we're here, I mean, congratulations are in order for both of you. Yeah? Thank you. I appreciate shall it. We, sh- you. Shall we? Take it away. So, uh, for, for those of you who are... Unaware, we just announced a new hiring cycle here at KWVA. Uh, Levi Birdfold promoted from production coordinator to assistant sports director. Get a little applause for for Triple B's big baby Bergs. Thank you. I'm, I'm applauding in my mind. I promise. I don't think you are. Aiden Hess, promotion from measly volunteer to. I lost your your title for a second. Coverage coordinator. Coverage coordinator. Yeah. Heck yeah! I'm excited. For Always you. a good sign when you can't remember his title. Really good leadership there from the uh, host. Love that. Sorry, hold on. Let me do that a little louder. <sighs> Thanks, Bergs. Um, but yeah, congrats to both of you, Levi. I know you've been, you know, you know, <laughs> kind of slaving here for the last year and a half without that that uh, that director that, without title. much, you know, <laughs> rewards or <Right>. recognition, <laughs> love. The usual. Uh, but but congrats. Excited for you and Aiden. You, I mean, you've worked unbelievably hard the last the last year since you have come in so i'm really excited and proud of of both of you so congrats uh gentlemen how was your thursday of week eight already which is crazy how's that yeah yeah so how's, i know you, how's I, everything i know you're in the j school austin and are you also in the j school yeah, yeah yeah so just to tell you about the business school you just do presentations <laughs> constantly every class has yeah. a group presentation i've, I've noticed that yeah, every yeah. class and so i had my first group presentation um of the term not my last but my first we did a, a marketing plan for the Portland Trailblazers. It wasn't good, to be clear. Does like it start it with, let's not have Tumani Kamara as our fourth most marketable player? <laughs> no, no, it does not. Um, it wasn't a good presentation. It wasn't a good presentation. Um, at the end of the class, I've been voted on the best presentation, and I recorded seven votes. Three of them were my own group. Three of them were the people next to me. And then there's one dude in front of me who like, likes me, so he voted for me too. How Don't many know. people are in the class? Uh, a solid... 30-something, so we got seven, oh. vote, seven votes out of 30, including, out of those seven, three of those were us. Um, if you're not voting for yourself, do you really want to win? Right. That's that's that's, that's fair. I almost voted for somebody else, to be clear. It was a really good presentation. You're kind of like the uh, the Lamont Wade Jr. of the 2021 MVP voting, where it's it was like the only one that voted for him was the, the, the Giants um Giants home writer where it's like why did he finish top 20 in MVP there's so many ever. good examples of people voting wrong and you pick the most obscure random baseball I, I reference one of my favorite no one I likes mean, that I picked my favorite player of all time you know I saw a girl in a frat one time wearing you a Lamont on <laughs> Wade Jr. jersey and uh that Levi was one of, the, one of the thank you one of the highlights of my life <laughs> Levi that's, that's crazy um and how's your week eight going well, on that note, I th- it's it's going pretty good. It, I'm I'm on Quack Smack for the first time in a while. I haven't been on it uh, this much this term as I had last year, but you know, I'm I'm excited to be back in the chair, back in the studio, and uh, talk ready to talk some Oregon sports. Have you hosted before? I I did. I think that was my last time I was on Quack Smack. I hosted a couple Thursdays back. Not that was your last time hosting. Yeah, your first time y- hosting. Yeah, first okay. and first time this year, so it's a little two for one. You will have many more in your in your future, but uh, yeah, shall we? Shall we start talking some? Well, some how was your Thursday? Sport? How was how was your Thursday? Thanks for asking. Um, it was fine. Good talk. Anyways, talk sports. I woke up, mm. got out of bed, dragged a comb across my head. Can anyone name the song? Anyone? Either of you? No, "Day in the Life" by the Beatles. Thanks, guys. Um, 
Yeah, no, it was a yeah, great Thursday. Let's talk some Oregon sports. Uh, great start to the season for Oregon men's basketball. Actually, before we get into that, did you guys see the South Carolina Clemson women's basketball score today? I saw your tweet about it. You said it 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 did look like a it looked like a, it was like forty five to six at the half or something. That like reminded that. me. I think it was a couple years ago. Uh, South Carolina women's basketball was playing uh, College of Charleston or someone, yeah. and it was like the score was a hundred and twenty eight to sixteen or something like that. Yeah, the final tonight was one hundred nine to forty. South Carolina. Um, I, I have a I have a funny College of Charleston women's women's basketball story which is such a weird statement to say but i just have to share with you so i, I work with the marketing department right it's like if someone made like a lamont wade jr exactly reference. but funnier um i had a, I, I have a, a boss who when i got hired on marketing she's like you know this job takes a lot like a lot of time you're gonna miss you know i've missed weddings i've missed funerals i've missed holidays i've missed birthdays for this job and i was like i know like you, for sporting events you miss a lot of like holidays and stuff because that's when sporting events are um the day of the world cup final was Oregon women's basketball versus Carlos of Charleston. Yeah. And I had to leave in <laughs> yeah. extra time yeah, to go did. to the arena. That uh, the most one of the more illegal things I've done. I had YouTube TV up and on on my phone while I was driving. I just like, had it on the dash while I drove to MKA and they went into penalty kicks. And I was like walking into Matthew Arenas, they went into penalty kicks. I, I was like, I can't believe I'm missing yeah. the final for this game. And I walked out in the court pregame and I was like, dude, I can't believe it. Like Archie is going off. And the poor audio guy was like, I had it on delay. I, I hadn't seen <laughs> it yet. And I was like, hey man, I'm sorry, bro. I'm like, I just didn't know. So I, I definitely ruined the World Cup final for some audio guy at MKA one time. My, my favorite like MKA moments are when it's like it's clear that it like you know Oregon women's basketball against College of Charleston or whatever is not the biggest event going on that night. So I think it was like Super Bowl weekend, my freshman year, when I was the only one that wanted to cover some like Oregon women's basketball non-con game, and everyone like everyone in in like six rows of press row just had like the like the stream east version of the, the super bowl on well, well oregon women's well, basketball well, why, not, like, why, why not i just add to this i remember uh, a couple weeks ago when i was on the call for it was you know it's it's, it's fall ball oregon softball oh, yeah. and they're playing me and Jonah, <laughs> yeah. me and jonah Bruno are, are you're calling. like eight innings in and it's 17 to nothing yeah me me and me and uh jonah Bruno are on the call for a, a double header against i don't know who they're playing western washington or someone it was the same day as the Oregon UW game so it's probably about 100 people in the crowd and I'd probably say 99 of them 99% of them had the the football game on that's and hilarious including us <laughs> yeah, please please ask me what I'm going to be doing during the Pac-12 championship game just just ask me hey Levi yeah what's up what are you going to be doing during the Pac-12 championship I'm going to be at MKA waiting for volleyball to wrap up so I can drape a shirt over every single seat at MKA <laughs> Because the next day is the is Michigan game, yeah. and they're doing a t-shirt giveaway. Which is like there's the gonna be worst. 12,000 t-shirts, and there's going to be 20 of us, and we have to lay a t-shirt on every single seat. Do you save me one? Uh, what do the shirts say? It's like the throwback logo. It says like, okay, uh, like cool, Duck, you know, like Ducktown, whatever it is. That's that, cool. It's the sick logo. They're yeah. sick shirts. They're Nikes, too. But um, someone has to drape them over those seats. Every time when I watch Miami Heat playoff basketball, they have the white shirt draped over. I always thought that was the coolest aesthetic ever. Yeah. And then I never thought about the poor soul who has to yeah. go there the night before. Until you are the poor soul. Until I'm the poor <laughs> soul. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Should we, should we start talking actual sports now? Yeah. Let's do it. So, Oregon men's basketball, a great start to their season. 2-0. Um, against you know two powerhouse schools, uh, Georgia, who has who has really struggled in recent years, Montana, who's okay. I, I actually thought the Montana game was going to be a little closer, and it was at the half. But very broad opening. Uh, you know, uh, what what have been the thoughts to the early part of the season? For me, I think I, I've been impressed by by Nate Biddle. I think he's been awesome. The guard play is stronger and and I think deeper than it has been in years. Um, I I just I really like the way this team has played the two games. Yeah, I think the Ducks have they're off to a solid start, two and zero on the season. Um, I think just the the roster construction they have this year has has improved a lot, especially when you have your really good core guys coming back. You have Dante, Bartholomew, and Kuznard who all look solid. Um, Nate Biddle, like you mentioned, he's he's stepped into a bigger role. He's looked good, and I think new faces too on the Ducks. I mean, you have Cario uh, Oquendo. Um, the big prospect, uh, Kwame Evans Jr., they've been great additions. So it's really, I think, just a more well-rounded Ducks team. They have more options to, to kind of answer questions throughout the game that they did at the start of last year. Yeah, I almost wanted to say incomplete just because I feel like this is not the version of the team that we're going to see what we hope to see going down the stretch. Um, obviously, the injuries, which we'll get into, but just not, not a complete version. Um, 
I also have been really impressed by Nate Biddle. I think uh, Brendan Rigsby has been really fun to watch. Um, his scoring has provided a really good spark when they're, they're missing some pieces. So it's been nice to watch him to play and perform. Um, I liked what I saw from Kwame Evans. I think the scoring isn't there yet, but I think that'll come just as he kind of gets his feet under him. Um, but like you said, it's, it's been promising, but also incomplete. Um, not exactly the most st- stiffest of competition, but also just not a complete version of the Stuck squad. I will say, neither of the teams are or by any means powerhouses, but Montana's good. Montana, I think, is a team that could like push towards the tournament. Georgia, it, it's still an SEC school. Like Neither of those are, are easy games by any means. I'm not surprised that the Ducks are 2-0. and I, I don't think I would have been shocked by any means if the Ducks were 0-2 or 1-1 at this point either, because they... You know, the early part of their season is is by no means a cakewalk. Tennessee State and Florida A&M, you know, should be easy games. But then you go to Santa Clara, either Bama or Ohio State. Those are both really tough games. Santa Clara just beat, um, you know, one of the top teams ever, Stanford, um, by by double digits. Steve Nash, Santa Clara. Yeah, uh, Brandon Pajemski, Warriors superstar. (laughs) um, You know, only the third Warrior to score in double or twenty points or more this year, which is so depressing. but How's Draymond Green doing? All right. Um, is, he, is he playing? What, hey, what's his stat, stat line for the next? Oh, sorry. I, I what, What's the Blazers record? Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, <clears throat> but going back to some of the individual guys, Jermaine Kuznard has been solid again this year. I like that he's kind of stepping more into a, a facilitation role, which obviously the Ducks have struggled facilitating the basketball in the last couple of years. It's not a team that's going to play with a ton of pace. They're going to slow it down, especially in the half court, but they still have really good athletes. Brendan Rigsby has been awesome. His shooting has been off the charts. He's a great athlete. He's an unbelievable athlete. And so the rebounding numbers are, are, are getting up there. Uh, and when he provide what, whatever he can provide from the outside is great. Cause I think his best role is as a slasher, but I like that you mentioned Cario Oquendo, who's been really solid through a couple of games. He's been efficient from the field. Uh, again, he's a, a guy that can facilitate. He's a guy that can score the ball. Um, and I think the biggest thing to, to kind of mention is, is like you said, it's not the, the, the healthiest version of this team. It's not the most complete version of this team. Mookie Cook, Jackson Shellstad have both been out, the two, uh, two of the top three recruits in this class, along with Kwame Evans Jr., but... Like how how much more Im- what what impact I should say are they going to bring to this team? Who falls out of the rotation, or does anyone? Or is it just going to be kind of a, a reallocation of minutes through, through Dan Altman's system? What are the two going to going to add to this program? Yeah, I mean, Shellstad and Cook. Uh, I I think when they come back, that's just going to provide um, even more weapons for for Dana Altman to use in in the tool shed. And I mean, those those two guys were were the top of their respective recruiting class. Um, both in the state of Oregon, which is really cool to have local guys on the team, and um, I think I think when you just go about the roster adjustments, especially early in the season, um, hopefully they come back sooner the better. Um, but just let let the players showcase their abilities in, in these non-con games, especially against um, teams like a Tennessee State or a FAMU, and and kind of teams that Oregon on paper is better than. But um, kind of just easing them in, and, and then determining where you want to disperse those minutes throughout, just based on who looks who looks best in, in, in those early season games. As far as the rotation goes, like I'm weirdly interested to see where, where Zarzela falls in this. Uh, Jesse Zarzuela is a senior, transferred in. In that first game, he started 30 minutes um, and then just missed the second game with, with an unspecified injury. So I, I, I am interested to see the guard rotation, especially if you insert Shellstad into that. Mookie Cook feels like almost like a distant goal where he's supposed to return at some point in December, right. and then there'll be some sort of build-up process. Like You can't just jump into full action. Shellstad did play in the exhibition game a couple weeks ago versus Nevada, left early with a calf injury, um, missed the first couple games. So I know he'll be back sooner. Right. And so I, I'm just really curious to see what the, what the guard rotation looks like with Zarzuela, with Shellstad, and then obviously you still have Bartholomew and you know the, the, the rotation they already have in place. Like That's going to be interesting to see how that pie is carved up and who, who gets the start, who gets the nod. My gut tells me that Shellstad would be coming off the bench for a minute, mostly because this team does seem to favor upperclassmen and the system seems to favor upperclassmen. But I just want to know how many minutes, you know, Shellstad will get. He's a local Oregon kid. There's a lot of interest in him. It's been fun to watch being from Oregon, watch a, a, a true homegrown star. And, like, gosh, how cool it would be to have him be, like, really good. But I just don't know how much time he'll get, especially in the early going. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be – Really interesting to see the way he's he's kind of associated into this team because Keyshawn Bartholomew's been awesome, but I th- I think in his best role he's more of a combo guard than a true one. Jermaine Kuznard, you can kind of say that same thing. Brendan Rigsby as well. 
Jackson Chelstad is a true point guard, and he, you know, Will Richardson, I, I think, looking back to last year, was probably more of a two that was kind of, you know, trying trying to fit that into the wrong hole, right? We're, we're, we're putting the, the, the round peg in the square hole, and it just didn't work. Um, you were so close. <laughs> I, so couldn't, close. I couldn't figure out the word. So close to saying that right. Square peg in the round, round hole. hole. Ah, it was hey. like, I mean, it hey. works the other way, too, right? Okay, keep going. Um, <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome start to the day. I love, I love being on Quacksmack with, with you, Levi. It's just great. Um, again, it, it just wasn't a perfect fit. Um, and I think you can say that about any of the guards in this lineup right now. But when Dana Altman's been at his best, it's because he's had a true point guard to use in his rotation. And, that, and that's what Jackson Shellstad can do. Looking forward in th- into the season, what's the ceiling for this team? Broad question, two games in. but I, I Is it a tournament team? Yeah, I, I think it can be. I really think it can be. The recruiting class is like pretty legit, to be to be clear. With with Cook and with Shellstad and with Evans, um, and I think that this team had a lot of talent last year. It's hard to underestimate like how crippled they were by injuries during that first game, the Georgia game. The broadcast was just like reading through the injuries, and I had forgotten just how crippled they really were. Yeah. I mean, they were decimated by the end of that, and they went through whole stretches just looking like a shell of themselves. So Shellstad, shell a Shellstad of themselves. Um, so I'm really excited to watch the the freshman impact the game. I think the biggest caveat is injuries again. I mean, we're already seeing that it's game two. Dante didn't play. Shellstad's out. Uh, you know, Cook's out. So it's just I, I'm really concerned that the team that is a tournament team will just never see the floor. Right. I mean, the the priority one has got to be staying healthy, of course, and then and then making the tournament. Oregon uh, hasn't made the tournament since since what 2021. It's been uh, too long. Yeah, a, a little bit for for definitely Dana Altman's liking. Um, but I, I I think this Oregon team. I mean, it's a really small sample size, obviously. But but I like the the different options they have to score the basketball. I know they had against Montana, I think five guys in double digits, uh, a couple off the bench. So that's a really good sign. Just, just spreading out the workload, um, just getting more well-rounded as the season goes. And I I think Oregon, um, if they get into the tournament, uh, who knows? Oregon's kind of been a lower seed the, the last couple times they've made it and, and they made the sweet 16, their last two tournament appearances. So if they can really get moving, hit their stride late, uh, I think we can see some uh, remnants of, of the Oregon teams of the past. It's kind of crazy to think going back to the injury thing. Like, we've gotten kind of used to, to how injured the Ducks are because the last two years have been so brutal on the injury front. I forget that not every team starts their year with their star big man questionable every year or their point guard being, like, questionable. Dante plus. didn't play, I think, for the final three to four weeks of – before the season, I think he didn't play yeah, basketball. Like it, and then grabbed the franchise or the school record and rebounds. Yeah, and, and then one, didn't play the next game. So. But still, it's like I forget that that isn't the norm to have guys like just be injured the whole year. Um, I'm kind of on the same page as you guys. I think this is a tournament team. I think it's probably a low seeded tournament team just because the national perception isn't back for the Ducks yet. But I do think it's a team with a a, a very strong future especially this year and then with the five stars in the class for years to come we're going to step aside take a quick break when we come back we had justin de haas on from cronkite sports yesterday we're going to replay that interview because he does a great job of breaking down arizona state football and arizona state volleyball ducks will play volleyball and football in arizona this weekend we'll step aside be right back here on quack smack KWVA. KWVA. You're listening to Quack Smack here on KWVA Eugene 88.1. Our coverage doesn't stop when the show ends. For the latest news on Oregon athletics, follow the KWVA sports staff on Twitter at KWVA Sports. Also, check out the website at kwvaradio.org. Quack Smack returns right after this. Like what you're listening to? Want to be a part of the flagship station of numerous Oregon sports, interview Duck athletes, and have a hand in the media scrum? Then look no further than the very station you're listening to, KWVA 88.1 FM. Email sports at kwvaradio.org, DM our Instagram at KWVA Sports, or head down to the station itself next to Bartolotti, located on the bottom floor of the EMU, to find out more. Is there a quack smack moment that you want to relive? Well, lucky for you, KWVA Sports isn't just on the radio. 
kwvaradio.org is where you can find archived interviews, full shows, and exclusive web-only content. It's all available for you on kwvaradio.org. Did you stretch your legs? Did you get a snack? Great! Then let's get back to Quacksmack right here on KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM. Real vibey. That's what Levi says every time. Uh, and I point that out every time. Um, real vibey back here on Quacksmack. Um, but we're going to have an interview right now. We had Justin DeHaas on from Cronkite Sports yesterday. It was generous enough to join us all the way from Arizona. He's going to break down some Oregon football, ASU football, ASU volleyball, all things Arizona sports. So here's that interview. Enjoy. To be one of my best friends. Welcome in. One and only Justin DeHaas to the show. Justin, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Austin? Oh, I'm doing so well. It's so so great to hear your voice. I miss you a ton. I'm excited to start uh, start talking about some ASU football. Let's start there because obviously the record is not not what you want. Three and seven overall, two and five in conference. But looking at the schedule, really, it's in my opinion one bad loss and then a bunch of other winnable games. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to just kind of say it straight up. I think this is a really easy trap game for a lot of teams. I think it's a, a trap game for Oregon this week. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when you look at, uh, I mean, you mentioned one loss. I mean, honestly, probably two because you got the Utah one, 55-3, and then you got the Fresno State one, 29-0. But besides that, every other game, ASU's been in it. And I, and I think that's that's kind of an important to note is is looking at the schedule. You know, Fresno State, it's not great to be shut out, shut out by by Fresno State, especially at home. But a twenty nine nothing loss there, a two score loss to USC that was closer that it was close for for a while of that game. A three point yeah. loss to Cal, a three point loss to Colorado, a game against Washington where there were plenty of opportunities and the defense played well, and then of course the loss to to Utah, but. You know, two and one over the last three weeks. It's it's been a good stretch. What has kind of changed in these last three weeks for the Sun Devils that that you feel like has has kind of turned the tide for them? Yeah, I think Trenton Borgay. He's done enough to get the victories. I think early on he dealt with some injuries. Talk about that Fresno State game. He got injured in that one, and then he also got injured in the Utah game as well. So I mean, when you look at why they got crushed in those games, part of the reason is because their third-string quarterback, or I guess maybe backup, but depending on how you look at the depth chart, like he got injured in both of those games. And every other game that he's been able to play in, they've had a chance. Um, I mean, they haven't really pulled through in many of those, like you alluded to. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, last couple games, um, you know, been able to get some victories. And, I mean, I think him being able to, you know, be good enough to get you to victory, but – um, I mean, last game was really Cam Scadaboo scored two touchdowns. And, I mean, you know, he does everything for this squad, one of the best running backs in the pack. So, I mean, you look at that backfield with him and uh, Borgay, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been solid. It's not great by any means, but it, it, can, it can get you a victory for sure. And, and we talk about the, the quarterback position. You alluded to it a little bit. Trenton Borgay has been serviceable over the last couple weeks especially. But the Sun Devils have had six different players take a snap at quarterback. Jalen Conyers and Cam Scadaboo have had, you know, I, I think more pass attempts than either of them would have expected coming into the season. Um, but going into this week, we just got the news yesterday, Jaden Rashada at least is, is is healthy enough to practice. How much of an impact do you think this makes going into this week? Um. Yeah, I mean, look, the Rashada news is big. Um, I don't think he's going to play. I think it is going to be Borgay again. Um, but, I mean, if Rashada – the thing is, Rashada can play these last two games and still keep his red shirt. He only played two games to start the season. So, um, I mean, look, if he was healthy enough, I'm sure Kenny would love to throw him out there as he was uh, the starter in week one and two. But um, I don't think he'll be out there. But, yeah, just the fact that he's back and practicing and, you know, looking good, it's, it's encouraging to see. And you would like to think that it's uh, hopeful for the future. But – with the day and age that we live in with college football, you just never know. But maybe he can end the season well. We'll see. And you, you talked about Cam Scadaboo a little bit. He was someone that, that I think 
and for fair reason, you know, kind of fell under the radar in, in terms of the transfer portal this last offseason. But I'm sure uh, uh, for Arizona State fans, for Arizona State media, he's just been a joy to, to be able to watch. What was kind of the perception of him on in terms of the Arizona State media going into the year, and how has that changed? What has it been like watching him this year? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people expected him to be RB1 coming in, but I don't think enough people expected him to really carry the load as much as he had. Um, he's a kid who comes from Sac State, was the player of the year um, in their conference, and so the big guy that is, and you know, he, he took the step up to Power 5 football, and that's not easy to do coming from the FCS, but he's been able to do that with flying colors. I mean, obviously, as a running back, he's huge, but he has some passing touchdowns. He has some really nice punts. Like, he literally does everything for this squad, and he's just a, a Swiss Army knife, if you will, and really, really big reason why ASU has the three wins that they do. One of the things that, that you and I have talked about a lot is, is just that – I. I think we both kind of think this is gonna, going to be a, a bull team next year. This is a team with a lot of talent, and I think that kind of starts with, with the skill positions. We mentioned Cam Scadaboo, but Elijah Badger, Jalen Conyers have both been really, really good this year. What's the outlook looking like, not just this year, but kind of in future seasons at the receiver position? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when uh, you, know, you start the year with a bull ban and you, know, you start with all that kind of stuff, it, it can get you really down, but Overall, three wins, I think it's probably maybe a little better than expected considering the circumstances. But, yeah, I mean, look, you mentioned Elijah Badger. Um, he has been huge for the squad. And Jalen Conyers, that's the thing is, like, ASU probably has, like, one of the better skill position groups in the in the Pac-12 with Scadaboo, Badger, and Conyers, who are all one of the best in their respective positions. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, ASU got some some transfers over the offseason that they've been trying to mix in. Omira is still involved. Um, Sanders was a guy who was good last year, but um, hasn't really done as much in this year. So you've got a bunch of guys who um, Borgay can't throw to, um, and that's why he has been somewhat successful in his tenure so far this season. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, it should, be, it should be really fun. Looking forward to next year um, when – you know, maybe you can get a healthy Rashada back. Maybe you can get, you know, some of these other guys to come back and, you know, kind of run it back with Dilly because Dillingham has done a great job, as you know, from Oregon, has been able to really instill um, just a boost of energy into the squad. Moving on to the defense, you know, we, we talked about the skill position players being huge. The defense, to me, has been kind of the most surprising unit because, I, <laughs> weirdly enough, as I've said on Quacksmack a couple times this year, I've watched a lot of ASU football because it feels like they are – putting other teams on an upset alert every week. And the defense is, has really impressed me this year. I feel like they're they're constantly getting to the quarterback. And, and more than anything, they're just constantly coming up in big spots. What have you seen on the defensive end from the Sun Devils this year? What's What, what are kind of the strengths and weaknesses of this defense? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at this defense, the first thing that comes to my mind is the performance that they had against Washington, Michael Penix, who at that time, was the Heisman favorite in Seattle. And, I mean, they only gave 15 points, and, heck, six of those were off of pick six. So, um, you know, the defense was absolutely stellar um, in that. And you mentioned strengths and weaknesses. Um, one of the biggest weaknesses, at least early on in the season, was the lack of turnovers. Um, they had one turnover against USC, um, but that was really just the Caleb Williams fumbling the snap. And, wasn't really anything the ASU defense necessarily did to enforce that. But um, talk about that Washington game. Had a couple of picks off of Penix. And, I mean, look, that really kind of changed their season a little bit in terms of the turnover department. And, you know, they've been producing all year. It's just the turnovers kind of at the beginning of the year. We're a little lower than you expect. I think they're starting to, you know, come back to the mean a little bit. And, yeah, the defense is the best part about this team. Brian Ward has done an excellent job in his first year as a DC for ASU. And, I mean, he got rewarded for that by getting a three-year extension. So, um, you know, props to him for that and for being able to do a lot with his defense. But, yeah, like you said, just rush the quarterback. And, I mean, only get seven points to UCLA last week, right on their third-string quarterback. But still, a kid from Kent State that uh, was one of the better transfers. And it's been pretty good for ASU. One of the things that I've been most impressed by 
kind of the the intangibles of of AFC that I've seen so far is just their ability to game plan for different teams in different ways, right? Going up against Washington, it was clear they 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 wanted to slow the pace down. Seems like they're always reliant on their defense, but again, they're able to to game plan for each team differently. And I mean, really, it's worked. Being able to, with I what we can all kind of agree is is a relatively large talent differential in some of these games against a USC. Um, against a Washington where it's just it, it feels like they are the better coach team and they're they're the more uh, ready team for the challenge what does what does Oregon have to do kind of this weekend or what does ASU have to do I should say to take down Oregon Oregon's tough man they're a wagon as you know I think when you look at the pac as a whole um, I might make the claim that a team like Arizona is the hottest but when you look at Oregon I mean they've been hot all year Brad getting the one loss to Washington, but even recently with what they did to Utah and USC, like they've, they've been hot, but ASU doesn't really seem phased um, really at all in their high-profile matchups. I mean, you mentioned USC early in the year. That was at a point where USC was rolling. Caleb Williams was still getting the love from everybody, and USC was at the top of the world, and I thought, oh, they're just going to come into Tempe and they're just going to roll ASU. And, you know, it's family weekend. Like, I'm going to watch that game with my mom and I'm going to cry basically with her. But, no, they came in and, I mean, they were able to make it a competitive game the entire time. And you look at, you know, same thing. Oh, they're going up to Seattle. Oh, okay. They're definitely going to lose this one. Like, there's no chance that they win in Seattle against probably the best team in pack. Well, they should have won that game, quite frankly, after – the way it played out so I mean overall you look at Oregon and they're such a tough test but with a home game for ASU and it's it, I don't think they're I don't think they really care I think uh Billy Hammond always says in his press conferences nobody cares and I think that really means a lot when it comes to when you got a team like Oregon coming in doesn't really phase them they're just going to play the way they do and they know they have one of the best defenses in the conference and they're going to try to stop Nick as much as they can Moving on to volleyball, because we did say we would talk a little volleyball today. Uh, man, Arizona State volleyball is like really good, and I, they, you know, I don't, I don't know. Actually, I want, I want to hear what was, what was the perception of the team coming into this year? Did people think they were going to be this good? Did people think that on November fifteenth, twenty eight matches into the year, into the year, they would be twenty four and four? Not at all. Um... You look at last year, ASU had a losing record in women's volleyball, and then they fired their coach. They gave J.J. Van Neal, assistant from USC, and uh, it's a lot of the same girls from last year. Um, so, you know, you lost Iman Asadovich, who was a senior and, you know, probably your best player, but you still get, you know, a lot of the girls back. You get, you know, some transfers in, and, you know, I mean, I think people probably thought they'd be, like, middle of the pack. Like, okay, you know, you got a new coach. Maybe they could be a little bit better. But, I mean, they're not going to be a tournament team necessarily. But they start off the year 14-0, and and people are saying, oh, well, they just played a week non-conference. Like, they're not really that good. Well, then they go in the pack hole play, beat your Oregon Ducks up in Eugene, sweep them in three sets, and then come down. And then uh, Stanford comes down to Tempe, number three team in the country. They get swept in three sets. So, I mean, clearly ASU has demonstrated that they're one of the best teams in the pack. And as we all know, if you're one of the best teams in the pack, you're one of the best teams in the country when it comes to volleyball. And so, yeah, I mean, the there weren't that many expectations coming into this year, but I think J.J. Van Neel is a little ahead of schedule. Um, and, you know, normally you like to think, oh, well, you know, first year as a coach, you know, it's probably going to be their worst year. They have to have a couple of years under them to get their recruits and transfers. But, Hasn't really been the case, and uh, I mean, it's a really senior-led group. I think that's a big part of it, too, and maybe next year they falter a little bit because they're going to lose some of their seniors, but right now, this is a special group, and they can do some damage. Yeah, they they really don't have any bad losses. Like, looking at the schedule, getting swept by number three Stanford at home, is, is that's not a bad loss. The Oregon State loss, okay, but that's a five-setter away. Boulder is an unbelievable, unbelievably difficult place to play against a solid Colorado team, and then you know the USC loss isn't isn't great, but still that's a way. Like this is this is a really really good team without many holes, um, in their schedule. I 
I, I mean, I, honestly, I feel like you kind of you kind of answered all of my all, all of my questions in your spiel there. So so thank you. Um, what's the what's the outlook for the rest of the year for for the Sun Devils uh, on the hardwood? Because again, like you said, I don't think people expected before the season this to be a tournament team. At this point, they're a lock. How how far do you think this team can go? Yeah, I mean, look, I think when you get to the tournament, anything can happen, right? But um, you know, I, I like ASU's chances. I mean. They've demonstrated that they can beat some of the top teams in the country. Now, I am a little curious to see when it comes to tournament what they look like against teams from other conferences. As I mentioned, a little bit of a weak non-conference, but that was also earlier in the season, and you know maybe not necessarily the same squad as it was earlier. I think there's a lot of cohesion that happens over the course of the season, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think they're coming in dangerous, coming in hot. Like I said, senior week this week for. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these girls, and they're gonna wanna, they're not gonna wanna lose, and uh, when they before they have to leave. So I mean, I'm, think, I'm thinking this is gonna be a pretty good, pretty good run for them. I mean, I don't know if they'll win it necessarily, but they, they they'll definitely have a strong showing for sure. Oregon will face the Sun Devils in Tempe on Friday at 6 p.m. KWVA will be on the call, as will I believe another CCL guy, right? Jonah Krell is the voice of, of volleyball for for Cronkite. If I'm Jonah not Krell, yes, sir. Well, Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for for you personally, what's what's been your your follow? What what is your follow looks like uh, covering Arizona sports? What have you been up to? Yeah, so um, I just wrote my first article um, for one of the clubs we have here at Cronkite. Um, I cover uh, men's basketball for ASU, and so you can check that out at Cronkite Sports. And uh, I mean, look, if you want to read my articles, just I don't know, just check out my Twitter at the Justin DeHoff and. Uh, you can just see some of the cool stuff um, I'm doing. We also got a new show for our radio station at Cronkite. It's called Four on Four. It's got four experts on the four major sports and stuff. Fridays. Is it, is it my four favorite people at Cronkite? It is your four favorite people at Cronkite. It is my three roommates and myself. So, um, yeah, we have it Fridays. Um, it's noon our time, which means it's going to be 11 a.m. Pacific. And it goes from noon to one or... 11 to 12 or whatever time zone you're in it's in that range so um yeah you can check those out but that's just kind of what i'm doing right now i was gonna tell you to to plug your twitter and plug your work and i didn't, <laughs> didn't even have to you knew i was already gonna do it I, you don't have to promise I, knew, I knew it was coming justin thank you so much for for coming on the show today i miss you a ton glad you're doing well thanks for talking some sun devil sports all right thank you for having me that was justin de haas from cronkite sports Big thanks to him for coming on the show yesterday um, and for making back-to-back appearances on Quacksmack. He, he's just fallen in my footsteps. But we're going to step aside when we come back. We'll talk some Oregon football, play some games, have a little fun for our last 20 minutes on Quacksmack. KWVA. KWVA is proud to be the broadcast affiliate of the Bushnell University Beacons. Darts his way inside, puts it up, and the foul. He flexes with the strength. He shot Dawkins, is able to put it down, and the Beacons are rolling. If you like what you hear on 88.1, your favorite broadcasters also take the airways for Beacon volleyball, basketball, baseball, and softball. Live broadcast can be found at portal.stretchinternet.com slash bushnell. Once again, that's portal.stretchinternet.com slash bushnell. Here at KWVA, one channel isn't always enough. That's why we have KWVA2. KWVA2 is an online-only stream designed to provide you with even more exciting content, including more live sports. To access the stream and view a schedule, visit our website at kwva.uoregon.edu. Frightened you missed your favorite moments on Quacksmack? Well, worry no Our KWVA website has you covered. All past episodes will be posted to our website along with an outline for what the crew talked about during the show. So head over to kwva.uoregon.edu slash category slash sports slash quack dash smack for more.
This is Travis Tyke, former assistant sports director at KWVA. Cheers! You're listening to Quack Smack. Back on Quack Smack for your Thursday night. Welcome in to the KWVA studios. My name is Austin Oda, joined alongside Aiden Hess and Levi Birdfold. You paying attention now, bud? Oh, yeah, I'm locked in. Great. Super locked in. Ready to talk? Well, we're, we're just going to do a quick hit on Oregon football. We've talked about them a lot this week. We just kind of broke down ASU. My first question, then we'll get into a little game, is how do the Ducks avoid the trap game this weekend? Because we all know Arizona in the desert. You know, there's there's some history there, some recent history. So what do the Ducks have to do to avoid this trap game? Yeah, it feels like the, the desert for Oregon Duck fans has taken on, like, a weird mystique. Like, they always lose down there. Um, to the point where now we're, we're swimming a little too far. Like people are just like terrified of playing down the desert. Right. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm pretty confident in this Oregon team. I'm, I'm knocking out of wood as we say so. But if there's one thing I know that Dan Lanning knows what to do, it's how to motivate his team um, and how to get his team like ready to go. I don't think we've ever like the last time I, I say this team came out flat, like truly flat was like what Stanford and they still won that game going away. Last year, a couple Cal? games, but like Cal, maybe, and Cal, they won by 40 points. Right. So I, I just know that this team is going to come out fired up and ready to play. Um, they're so close to the finish line, and I think that they very are very aware of the danger of, of Arizona State having just bounced UC, a good UCLA team. I think this Arizona State team can be more competitive than meets the eye. I mean, there's a couple of real bad blowouts, but there's some really good games against Washington, and they played well against SC. And they beat I mean, UCLA. there's in, in my opinion, by the way, there there really is only one bad blow, and that's the, the and U- that's Utah. Yeah, they lost like 52. Fresno State is good. You you should put up points, but we know this team is not was not good back then offensively. They've kind of unlocked a little more, but. I really think that's their only like bad loss on the schedule this year. Yeah, and so the record looks bad, but they're a competitive team, and I think <coughs> Oregon really knows how to, to capitalize on that. Yeah. Last thing I say before I kick it over to you, Aiden, is I remember at the at the um the the Portland State game, um as they were as they were coming down the tunnel, Dan was yelling like like sixty minutes as long as it takes, like he's all hyped. It's Portland State, and the running backs as they came on end of the field, they did like the bull motion where they were like tra- like you know yeah. kicking the dirt. That was against Portland State. So I mean, if they can get fired up for the Vikings, hey, I think they the can real, fire up for the Sun Devils. That's the real rivalry game. There you go, Aiden. How does Oregon uh, kind of avoid the trap? Well, I think from from a fan standpoint, I mean, even at the start of the season when I saw they had this game schedule, I was I'm like, oh, we're playing, Oregon's playing down in the desert. I, I'm a little Uh-oh. bit I'm a little bit nervous. I was right. a little bit nervous at, at Stanford because of the the history there and all that all that sort of nonsense that goes on in in Pac-12 cannibalism world. But uh, um, but I think what the Ducks need to do, um, it, they just need to get going early. Um, just no sleepwalking through the yep. game. Uh, Scoring on your first drive would be great, and if you do, you got to keep that. You got to keep your foot on the gas. In 2019 against ASU, they they had the ball first, scored a touchdown, and they really didn't do much for the rest of the that half in, in 2019. But that was the Mario Cristobal era. This is the Dan Lanning era. Um, I think fans were nervous against Utah, and they really took care of business. I think more than anyone expected. Um, so if there's anyone I, I'd really trust to, to kind of crush fears uh, about playing the, the Sun Devils this week, it'd be Dan Lanning and his Ducks team. So really main things for me would just be control the tempo, um, uh, time of possessions big, um, keep the ball out of ASU's hands, and then um, just establish a strong run game. We know Oregon has Bucky Irving, one of the talent, most talented running backs, as long with Jordan James, who can kind of give the defense a, a different look and, and just take the crowd out of, out of the game early and uh, – uh, send those ASU students to their parties or whatnot a little bit earlier than than expected. Yeah, I would love to see them just pound the ball, just pound the rock. Um, Arizona, Arizona State's uh, middle of the road in the Pac-12 as far as defense goes. They're atrocious offense, but their, their defense is like middle of the road. Um, but I would love to see Oregon just pound the rock, shorten the game, just don't let anything crazy happen, and just just run the ball down the throats. Boa Constrictor, take the crowd out of it, like you said, and just, just end the game. That's yeah. what I want to see. It's kind of where I'm at where – like Oregon has two of the top five running backs in the Pac-12 in Jordan James and Bucky Irving, and I, I think they will be just fine running the ball. I, I mean, that's pretty much all I have about, about this weekend. I think, you know, Justin kind of broke down enough of Oregon football. Is there anything either of you two want to add? The, the, the subplot that's really developing here is, is the Heisman race. I really thought 
Penix had it one after the the matchup in Seattle, but of course Washington and has he just really like stumbled. Doesn't. Yeah, yeah he, he's like, they, they really stumbled, and yeah. he's had relatively pedestrian numbers, a couple bad games, and even didn't put up big numbers versus U, the win versus the USC. So Penix has stumbled. JJ McCarthy only throwing eight passes in that Penn State game really hurts him. Like obviously they won and they did what they needed to do to win, yeah, right. but like but his individual Heisman case suffered. Agreed. And right now, as of I early this a, week, Knicks was the Heisman favorite. I think it's a two-horse race right now. I think it's Knicks and Daniels. Do you think Penix is out of it? Penix right now is the odds-on second. Yeah, I, I just... I, th- I think it's going to be decided at the back championship game if Oregon and Washington meet. I think that's fair. Cause but... Because I, I, I think I think what, what in some pundits gives Penix the edge is just the head-to-head. And that's yeah. the same thing with the with the college football playoff poll. Like, like Washington, they while they're undefeated, I, I feel like they're not getting as much recognition because they haven't been beating the teams they should by a lot. Yeah. Like the, the Oregon's played the same amount of teams and, and beaten them by more pretty much in, in all their tests. So yeah. the, the head-to-head's really the one thing that's that's kind of separating them from people. The head-to-head's going to be key, but in the meantime, it's more it's about stats. So, like, if Oregon wins by 40, yeah. great. But if Nick doesn't throw a touchdown, suddenly that's going to that's gonna hurt his Heisman case. That's going to be an interesting subplot to, to point Everyone on that team is going to tell you they don't care. Like, I promise you they oh, care. Oh, they care. Yeah, yeah. They care. I care. Yeah, and it's going to be fun to watch just if he's able to put up the numbers to kind of keep him in the race. I think it's funny because I think the only person in the nation that has Heisman numbers, quote-unquote, is Daniels. Like, I'd, even Penix. Crazy numbers. numbers for Daniels, like yeah. video game yeah, numbers. Yeah, right, and that's what I'm saying, and those are Heisman numbers. And Penix is, especially over the last couple of weeks, they've really looked pedestrian. Knicks's look good, but they don't look, especially without the rushing totals. You know, it, it's a completion percentage and no interception guy. He's an efficiency guy more than a, a big throw guy. Um, but, but that's kind of where I stand. Um, I have a couple names written down. Should we... Uh, okay, okay compare so this is like i'm, I'm going to give you two names and two stat lines and we're going to guess which stat line belongs to which player these are all ducks oh wow sound okay. good do we get the names beforehand do you want to yeah i'm like catastrophically bad with stats trivia yeah, so. all right um okay that works let's start with i don't know a lot uh, let's start with two receivers okay troy franklin dylan mitchell Probably the two best Oregon receiver seasons of all time. I hear you looking Dylan Mitchell up, Levi. I want to refresh my memory of this job. Um, I won't look just don't look up his stats. Red okay. Box Bowl legend. Really? Red <laughs> Box Bowl. <laughs> he got the only he caught the only touchdown of that game. Seven to six Oregon win over uh, Michigan State. So he's State. basically the greatest wide receiver in Oregon history. Pretty much, yeah. Without so logic. I'm not gonna. Uh, I, th- one of these is 2023 Troy Franklin. One of these is 2018 Dylan Mitchell. This was his. That his was the Red Box Bowl year. Sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Player A had 75 catches for 1184 yards and 10 touchdowns. Player B had 60 catches for 1093 yards and 11 touchdowns. I'll give you the yardage number for the first guy again. Sorry. Yeah, 1184. I'll give you both like five seconds to think, and then I'll I'll have you say your answers at the same time. Five. After one, we're, we're going after one. Wait, so we're saying player B is, or are we saying? Let's say player A is. Okay. Do you need me to read them again? No, I got it. We five, four. Are we really three. gonna count from five? <laughs> you couldn't start <laughs> Ten, from three. <laughs> nine, <laughs> three, two, one. Dylan Mitchell. Ding, ding, ding. We, have, we uh, always have the same voice, by the way. Yeah, like that was a little. That was a little weird intonation. Um, blended together. I I purposefully har- did that one first. I think that one's kind of the easiest of them. Um. We know that that Troy Franklin is chasing that Dylan Mitchell stat line, so he could get there this year very easily. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the yards but and touchdowns. I just didn't see the Troy Franklin as the greatest receiver in Oregon history oh, no, storyline coming out of this neither. year. But it's but like he's it's, having it's happening. The best season probably of any wide receiver in Ever. Oregon history, it's right? Crazy. Because Dylan Mitchell's is like that's the catches and yards record. I'm not sure about the touchdowns, but it's it's unbelievable. Um, let's move on to. Mm, let's move on to some running backs. One of them is 2022 Noah Whittington, so last year. The other is 2018 Travis Dye, which was his freshman Ooh. year. These numbers are eerily similar. So I'm just, I, I'm literally just asking for, for, for fun. I don't, I, I mean, obviously it's a 50-50 chance, but this is difficult. So player A, remember it's uh, 2018 Travis Dye and 2022 Noah Whittington. Player A had 140 carries for 739 yards and four touchdowns. Player B had 139 carries for 779 yards and five touchdowns. These are like literally oh almost the exact same. It's I mean it's it's a crapshoot at this point. 
Yeah. It was it was Die and Whittington, you said? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Three, two, one. Noah Whittington's the first guy? I no, think? I think no? The, um, no, I think Travis Dye is player A. Levi yeah. is correct. Let's go. Home. So it's two to All one right. Levi right, right now. By the way, speaking of just like players, I just reminded me Kenyon Barner was at the game. Um, nice. Versus, uh, it was good. SC. Uh, right? Along with Mariota, obviously. Um, can confirm I watched an Oregon staff member ask Marcus Mariota if he was Ken John Barner. Mm. And it was one of the funnier interactions <laughs> I've ever seen. It was just, it was iconic. It was, it was a beautiful moment um, that everyone enjoyed except for the staff member. Yeah. That's awkward. That's, that's tough to come back from. Um, should we go to a little kicking? Oh, why not? One of them is 2023 Camden Lewis. <laughs> the other is 2017 Aiden Schneider, who Let's is go. Oregon's all-time <laughs> scoring leader. Okay. I'm Player A is 63 for 63 on PATs and 9 of 12 on field goals. Player B is 50 of 50 on PATs and 9 of 14 on field goals. Player A is three, two, one. Camden Lewis. Lewis, incorrect. Wow. What? See, I, I went. With, I purely went. Yeah, because Lewis I thought, is nine I of fourteen the, on the, field goals. I thought the nine of fourteen was right, but the more PATs. I was yeah. like, oh, right. Oregon's racked yeah. up the points this year. It's got to be the more PATs. But if you think about it, they've also gone for two a weird amount That's of times. That's right. Which, by the way, super not fan of. Yeah, I don't like the early game go for two. Me neither. Not Espe- especially at especially at home, I feel like that's and on the road that's a different story. You're trying to be aggressive, right? But at home, crowds. D- I think you wait till the third quarter when you see how the numbers are falling, and right. then you kind of do what you need to do. Uh, this one I think will be kind of easy. This is a quarterback one. One of them is 2013 Mariota, so the year before his Heisman year, and then the other one is 2022 Bo Nix, so last year. Player A threw for 35-93, 3,593 yards, 29 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, also ran for 510 yards. Player B threw for 3,365 yards with 31 touchdowns to 4 interceptions and ran for 714 yards. Locked in? And this was Marriott and Knicks, right? What year? Mariota 2013. Yeah. Knicks 2022. Got it. Locked in? Yep. So the year before both of their Heismans. Got it, got it, got it. Hey, nice one. <laughs> Locked in? Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Three, two, one. Player A is? Marcus Mariota. No. Oh, Bo Nix. It is Bo Nix. Let's go. Mm. I got the interception total slip. That's kind of what I went off of. I was going off interception totals. Should this be our, our last one? Tiebreaker? Yeah. Yeah, yeah send up. All right. So this one, another like eerily similar numbers for these guys. One of them is Johnny Munt, who I didn't know was a duck, but is in the NFL and like catches touchdowns every now and I then. I remember I always see him like on he's like the what the third string or second string for the Vikings. For the Vikings. And like he oh, yeah. he went to Oregon. I'm like I don't ever remember. I watched it. I mean I watched a ton of Oregon football. Right, I don't ever remember. Ever he's not one of the Johnny guys you Munt. think of. No, um, but he was good. And uh, the other is last year T Ferg. Cool. All right. What year Johnny Munt? Excuse me. Will this change anything? No, I, just, I wanted to know if you know. Twenty sixteen. Okay, I just wanted to know if you knew what year it was. Okay, player A, twenty three catches for three hundred thirty four yards and four touchdowns. Player B, thirty two catches for three hundred ninety one yards and five touchdowns. Again, kind of just crapshoot okay, at this point. Player A in three, two, one. Johnny, Johnny Munt. Munt. Ding ding ding. Hey, yes. tie game, baby. All right, walking over with the tie. No, no, no. We, I have more. Oh, you have more? Yeah. We also wins. still have to do All Aboard, though. We're running out of time here. I'm kind of down to skip All Aboard and just do predictions. I have something I'm really passionate about. Okay, then you can do your All Aboard I'm really by yourself. I'm really passionate about it. Okay. Um, I have two more. Uh, do we want to do... Uh, no, I think that one's a little too easy, so I'll save that one if we do a tiebreaker again. This one is, like, f- recent Oregon receivers in their freshman years. So one of them is Johnny Johnson in 2017, the other is Troy Franklin in 2021. Player A had 18 catches for 209 yards and two touchdowns. Player B had 21 catches for 299 yards and a touchdown. Ready? Yeah. In three, two, one. Player A is Troy Johnny Franklin. Johnson. And the winner is <gasps> Levi Burke. Hey, ah. let's go. All I do is win, baby. My middle <laughs> name is DJ Khaled. Um, all right. Shall we? Do you, do you want to even kick this out? Do you just want me just to rant? Yeah, just go for it. Um, so you know how you can go to YouTube and look up like fireplace noises? 
and like it's just, it's just a fireplace for like 20 hours. Yeah. So oh, I got into God, that. I don't like this. But then I discovered something else. You can look up Christmas fireplaces, and it's just like a coffee shop that where the snow is falling, and there's a fireplace and like smooth jazz plays in the background. And I'm addicted. I play it constantly. I found a live stream that plays it 24 seven, and I just have it running on my TV like constantly. It makes me feel like I'm with Christmas. Like I can just imagine. Dude, Santa it's Claus November coming. 16th. I've been listening to Christmas music since like middle of October. I have a question for you. Yeah, what's up? When did you learn Santa Claus wasn't real? Um, honestly, I think, I don't remember because I think my family is one of those, like, Santa Claus isn't real, but Jesus is. And so that's kind of like, that's the family I came from. And so I, I vividly, like, I, I don't remember a time when I thought Santa Claus was real. You were just too smart. You were too cool. Yeah, there we go. Also, that TV thing, like, live stream, it'll, it'll, like, lower your heart rate by, like, 20. I promise. Yeah. It's such a vibe. Yeah. Go for it. I, I just passionate about it. Aiden, that. do you have anything you want to rant about on? Uh, Sure. How about uh, the James Madison Dukes? I feel like I'm they. I'm so done with them. <laughs> I'm so done with them. They are getting well. You could really use any word and to describe what the NCAA is doing from them. But JMU is undefeated, so nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. Like, why, I care. Why I do care. we waste I our care. time about a team that like they're James Madison? Like, who cares? And they're undefeated. I, li- yeah, I like. They're James Madison. I like. I like James Madison. Can you name two teams they've beaten the, this year? The other day, I watched I watched a video on YouTube of them. It was like it was like FCS school upsets, and like three three different instances was James Madison beating like Virginia, yeah. uh, because they like a ranked Virginia and Virginia Tech. So James Madison, they're banned from the college football Stupid. playoff for now, but it's not stopping them from making the Final Four after their upset win in in Michigan State. Levi, by that same token, can you name two teams they've lost to this year? No, because they, they haven't, haven't lost. lost to anyone because they haven't played anyone. Should we do predictions? Okay. Let's just go for predictions. Uh, quickly, Oregon women's basketball right now is up by six just past the half. Not where you want to be against a not good GCU team, but mm. they are not shooting well, and they are turning the ball over a lot. Uh, Love it. Shall we? What's going on this week? Tomorrow, Oregon volleyball. Really tough matchup against Arizona State. They're good. They're, like, really good. Uh, How many sets did Oregon lose to Arizona State in? Was it, was it a sweep? Straight sweep, yeah. I think. It was a straight sweep, I think, right? I going to say four, but, yeah, straight sweep. I think that Oregon gets a little revenge and wins in five tomorrow. I think the revenge factor is big. I think Oregon in four. I think five. I think it's going to be close. I think Sunday, like Oregon's kind of struggled on that that second leg of their of the two teams they play. So it's the the first one, right? They play yep. U of A later. Um, yeah, I think they'll be more fired up, ready to go. I think Oregon wins in five. Oregon football. That's all all else we have to do, right? Uh, basketball and women's basketball play Friday. Oh, Saturday. I forgot basketball. Oh, men's basketball man. plays Tennessee State and then. Okay, men's basketball plays. against Tennessee State. Um, they're like eighteen point favorites. I think it's a double to win. Yeah, I think I it's going to look good too. Cool. Yeah, they cover. Yeah. I think. Uh, women's basketball on Sunday against Saturday. Saturday against Santa Clara, Santa Clara with Aiden Hess and Brody Napier on the call. What you got on Santa Clara? You started. I I, I couldn't tell you anything about Santa Clara. About to start after the show. That's what I love to hear. Let's go. Um, Yeah, I think Oregon wins big. Big. Cool. I hope so. They have to. I'm on the call. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Oregon football. Do they avoid the trap? Yeah, I think Oregon wins by like 30 plus. I I think it's going to be a demolition. I love it. Yeah, I want to say Oregon wins by that much, and I hope they do, but. I don't know. I think Oregon gets it done in the desert. I think they they figure it out. They exercise 2019 demons uh, this time around. I think Oregon wins by three touchdowns on Saturday. I think it's going to be a little little closer than people are expecting. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight. Big thanks for listening to your Thursday night quack smack. We'll be back tomorrow night for Friday night spotlight. (coughs) It'll be a whole crew of people in studio. Ben Schoenfield, one of them. Saul Galvan, one of them. A few others. But be sure to tune in for Oregon Volleyball tomorrow night, then Oregon Football and Oregon Women's Basketball on Saturday. Then we're off on Sunday, but back in the swing of things next week. Aiden Hess, Levi Bergfield. My name is Austin Ode. We will see you tomorrow night.
You've been listening to Quack Smack on KWVA. If you missed any portion of the show or just want to listen again, you can find the full show recordings online at kwvaradio.org. Plus, we're on Twitter at KWVA Sports. Join us again for our next episode tomorrow at 6 p.m. right here on KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM. scenes of your favorite local college bands and Eugene's unique and vibrant musical culture. And join us as we dive into the origins, inspirations, and stories that have become the foundation to Eugene's up-and-coming bands as you